what's up and welcome to nostalgia 2019 last year in review we're doing movies today i am pat sheehan joined by my trusty co-host old buddy it's official 2019's over dave martin swagger how you doing man it's has been <laughs> nobody how you doing i'm good man I'm, I'm excited to talk about these movies uh you know and just to give a quick plug plug to both of us um go follow our letterbox so that you can stay up to date with our movies for next year you can just search our names and letterbox mm-hmm. come up because uh that's actually how i'm tracking my list today i've been going over my rankings changing what's ahead of what really fun app um and if you if you aren't aware of what letterbox is just an app where you can log and and write reviews or notes mm-hmm. about all the movies or television that you watch. You can rank them, just keep lists. It's, it's yeah. cool. So definitely. I don't even them. use the app. I just use the, uh, the desktop. I there go to the website like an old person. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun. If you, if you don't have a phone, go use your, uh, your computer. Uh, anyways. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to be reviewing our best movies in 2019. Dave, just overall 2019 is a movie year. How are you feeling about it? Great. A lot of good movies, man. I had a hard time narrowing this down. There's a lot of movies I felt were top 10 worthy. And, you know, math uh, can't can't go more than 10. So (laughs) it it was a challenge. And I saw, I I haven't seen more movies than 2018 yet. I have more movies on my list, already available on streaming and stuff that I missed. So I'm hoping to see just a bit more than last year. So I'm at 90 right now. Jeez. Trying to get to the, trying to get to 110. I think last year was like 104. I think. Wow. So, yeah. uh, I saw 54 that I have right now on my list. I might might see more, might not. <clears throat> um, but you know, it's it's interesting. I had a similar experience with this list where it was like, oh, I can't believe this one is not going to make it, or this one's further down. But w- when I came to it, there was really like seven. It, similar to I think the TV list, I had like seven or eight that I felt like were undeniable, like needed to be close to the top mm-hmm. or the middle. And then they were like at the back end, I was like, eh, is this one more an 11 or is this one more nine? You know, kind of going back and forth. But I guess that's maybe just the process of list making in retrospect. So um, why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about why this year was so good? You know, we, we did our best of the decade um, list. Check that out. YouTube.com slash nostalgia pod. And you had two movies from 2019 on your list i believe i had one um they'll be coming up again because that would make sense if they didn't (laughs) well well actually no i ended up having two because i I had avengers endgame which was more of a symbolic choice correct so that will not meta choice yes meta choice so that one will not be discussed today for me will be on your list i don't think so no sir yeah not even close um no sir but what do you think made this year so special in terms of movies? Uh, I think it's this, the variety. Um, there are some legitimate, really strong, impressive blockbusters, mainly from Disney, like Avengers. And then we have all kinds of indie fare that really range. You know, I mean, I, I spoilers, A24 is the... Uh, most represented distributor on my list, actually, not you know just the way the way it worked out. But you have all like these small level movies. We had Netflix really take over and win. Finally, you know, releasing uh, a whole, you know small handful of top tier awards movies, and you know, honestly, kind of like throughout the year, you can look at the release dates, and we really had good stuff the whole time. And I actually felt less pressed at the end of the year to see stuff that was coming up than I did the past year. I think it was just a little bit more spread out. This is how I felt about it. Um, yeah, so I, I think just the variety of it all is really great. And you know, the statistics too, there's more women were represented uh, on screen making movies in the past. Still not a great showing, but it's, it, it is an increase. And, you know, I think overall we're kind of just seeing that uh, – a lot of a lot of different stuff is still getting the burn, even if it's not necessarily getting the box office dollars to reward, you know, the, the quality in hand. But yeah, I, I think it was it was a strong year that I think will be looked back on finally as the you know we move into the twenty twenties. I, I agree. The variety. I think it was also um, you talked about the blockbusters and the small movies kind of coming together, but really also the 
the sequels or the stories that have been told mixed in with a lot of really new and exciting stories. And that's actually kind of uh, previewing the Oscar nominations, which we'll be talking about on the pod this coming Monday. Um, That category original screenplay is going to be absolutely stacked. (laughs) And there's going to be two or three people that are going to be snubbed off that, that really deserve to get a nomination. Um, And it's, it's exciting because I think for a while we were feeling like Hollywood's just churning out the same stuff over and over and over. And this year feels like a real breath of fresh air, whether it's, something like knives out the background for you right now. Um, you know, this like whodunit or Mm -hmm. it's something like long shot or late night, which are these like heartfelt thought provoking comedies or something like uncut gems, which is just like pure adrenaline thriller from start to finish. You know, it's really exciting to see triple frontier, just a classic action movie. Right. Yeah. Just it's, it's fun stuff and it's all new, which is, is fun or most of it's new. So, uh, a lot of good stuff there. Um, Anything else you want to say about it before we jump right in? Uh, no, man. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to getting into it. Like I said, it was hard to, hard to narrow down the 10, but it had to be done. Had to be done. So, as always, we're going to do our 10 to 1. We'll talk about them as they come up because I'm sure we'll have some overlap on our list. And then at the end, we'll do some honorable mentions and maybe some shout-outs to either actors, directors, scenes, things like that. So, yes, sir. Dave, your number 10. Number 10 is, in fact, Knives Out. Number, number three for me. Hell yeah. So the best murder mystery film in scores of years. 30 years maybe? Yeah. <laughs> uh, who, who can really say? It's a, a long, long time. And part of that I think is just it's a genre that was not really uh, innovated on, developed in that frequently in general. And when it is, it's usually an adaptation of something famous like an Agatha Christie book. But in this case, we have something that's very indebted to Agatha Christie, and you can definitely uh, enjoy it if you're a fan of that. But it's truly its own its own own animal, and that's because it's a Ryan Johnson machine. He wrote and directed it. And when you have that with a truly stellar ensemble cast that all, I think almost all of them get genuine moments to show why they're talented actors. Uh, and then there's a, there's a bit of a social message kind of peppered throughout the movie that's not the main focus of the film but certainly there um it's just a really thrilling entertaining movie and it's pr- pr- pretty hard to find any flaws in it and I, you can see it in the in the box office it's about mm-hmm. to become the second highest grossing original movie of 2019 in the states it's going to pass once upon a time once upon a time in hollywood it'll be only behind us and it, the fact that it's just had this such a long leg at the box office since it released around thanksgiving I think kind of shows that it's, it's a true crowd pleaser that is worth all the hype. Yeah. You, you said it perfectly, I think. And when, when I think about this movie and even looking at the poster that you have up behind you, it's, it's Anna de Armas with just insanity going on around her, you know, really playing this straight, the straight woman to uh, Chris Evans and Daniel Craig and Michael Shannon and pretty much everybody in this just on one. And that, that's what makes this movie so much fun. And it's truly the type of movie that keeps you guessing. Like, I, I you know, it's, you, you think you have it figured out a hundred different times and then something mm-hmm. else happens and it flips you right around. And that's what makes movies, uh, for me, so enjoyable are things that can keep you on your toes, show you something new. Um, and just you leave and you're just like, that was just a blast. And I want to go back and see it again. I can't wait to watch Knives Out again. Um, it's just, uh, a, you know, awesome to see Ryan Johnson following up a, movie that was mixed in reception in terms or at least a fan reception with the last jedi with such a uh, undeniable hit so knives out my number three your number 10 my number 10 i'm wondering if this actually made your list joker it did not it is number 20 for me number 20 so when i was going about this i had a couple like i said at that top portion i was like which one do i think really deserves this 10 spot and joker stood out to me for two main reasons one uh, Joaquin Phoenix giving an absolutely transformative performance, which is not uncommon for him, but certainly still worthy of discussing and, and uh, awarding. Um, and then also Todd Phillips um, delivering a, a unique story. You know, this is a, unlike any other comic book story we've seen. It's, it's stylistically, I think, different than any other comic book movie we've seen. Obviously, it, 
it feels like a, a pretty blatant homage or ripoff you could even say of a couple scorsese movies um mm-hmm. but still i i didn't have any other movie experience this year where i had a pit in my stomach pretty much the entire time and was left squirming and feeling uncomfortable and for me that that makes this movie a top 10 movie because in, in the end movies are are things i look to to see how it makes me feel how it makes me think and this movie did that a lot and raised a lot of discussion good and bad um and I think it's it's worthy of, of a top 10 list. So Joker, my number 10. Dave, number nine. Number nine for me. We just talked about it last week. Uncut Gems. Is this <laughs> on your list? Number five. Yeah. So again, we've reviewed, I think, literally every movie on my list. I believe your list as well. So mm-hmm. you can get the deeper thoughts there. But... Yeah, man, Uncut Gems, just a true masterpiece in maintaining tension for the audience in a plot that's not actually moving at as fast a pace as you think when you're watching it. And coupling that with the, you know, Adam Sandler doing the serious acting chops thing once every 10 years and the incredibly detailed New York identity of the film coming from New York directors and the Safdie brothers and a spot on casting of Kevin Garnett playing, of course, his past self and it told revelation in Julia Fox in her first uh, really major role of any consequence. And it's kind of just the whole package as far as, as far as a thrilling movie that some of the best portrayals of gambling in on film in several, several years as well. Um, yeah. Really like, really love this movie, which is funny again because it's it's kind of agita-inducing as you watch it. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, everything you said. Plus, for me, I think there's scenes in this movie, lines from this movie, moments, uh, sounds. You know, including the the score, which we talked about in the review, that I thought was maybe one of the most underrated scores of the year. Um, that yeah. are going to stick with me. You know, like whether it's. It's Howard when he's having his meltdown. I'm not a good person. Like just <laughs> I'm like, a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, or it's you know the the look that those like henchmen have as they're like sweating inside like the the two mm-hmm. doors, just staring at him and like the tension of it all. Even though you, you're a basketball fan, you know how it's gonna end. Yep. Or it's the scene with the weekend, you know, and and yeah. the coloring in that that we talked about. There's just so much about this movie that is just amazing like it's it's truly an amazing feat and it feels like a real coming out for the Safdies who have been you know uh, I think quietly starting to build up their resume and this feels like the breakout and really excited to see where they go from here so Uncut Gems for all the reasons we talked about and go check out the review my number five your number nine my number nine which I don't think you're gonna have on your list either Jojo Rabbit not on the list but movie I did like top 20 not top 20 Oh shit! Top top thirty, top thirty. Okay, um, Jojo Rabbit's going to be a, a, a interesting film come Monday. Twenty eight, twenty eight, because it's either going to be a film that is being dubbed by the Academy as Taika Waititi's real like acting or uh, directing um, coming out party, or it's going to be a good film that will probably be forgotten within the year. Um, and I, I think what stands out for me with a film like Jojo Rabbit is it's a story about children in an awful time. And I think the critique is that it trivializes, um, uh, you know, a, a horrible time in history for many people. Um, but it brings such an interesting perspective on war, on the hate and the, the terror of that time. Um, by using, you know, little Jojo as the avatar. Um, it, I think, beautifully portrays Scarlett Johansson as this, like, light within this dark world trying to to guide her son. Um, and I think probably my favorite Scar Jo performance of this year, even more than Marriage Story, which Ooh. says a lot for me. Um, and, you know, you have people like uh, Alfie Allen, obviously, who's, who's a breakout, but Archie Yates, uh, just yep. a true delight in this movie. Um, <laughs> you know, you got Thomas and Mackenzie, you know, continuing to establish herself as 
one of the best young working actresses in Hollywood. And it's it's a movie that was very thought provoking for me and just uh, really enjoyed it in theaters. Probably one of the most enjoyable movie experiences I had this year. Um, and I'm, I'm, I hope it gets awarded or at least gets nominated. Um, because I, I think it's, it's a movie that has kind of fallen by the wayside for some people, but undeservedly. So. Yeah. It's uh, one of the, I think four movies or three or four movies that got the writer's guild, director's guild, producer's guild and SAG Mm-hmm. awards so i'm mean, by the time you're hearing this the oscar noms will already be up but yeah uh, jojo uh has stayed in the mix throughout which is interesting because as you're saying i think the conversation may have moved past it but for the awards actual awards aspect to it jojo rabbit's still there and uh, we'll be seeing more of uh archie and the uh the other kid on tv so that's a good thing quick quick uh want to put you on the spot do you think taika gets that fifth spot for director no who, i do not would you say but uh that's yeah, funny because again people already know by the time they're hearing this yeah. uh yeah he's closer than i expected uh i mean we have i think there's a few obvious ones quentin scorsese bong and it's coming down to bomb back it's coming down to uh, it's, 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 i mean it's, gerwig's got to be up there yeah um, it's tough, you know. Ryan Johnson could potentially. Yeah, I don't think Johnson's going to get there, but you know, it's it's a lot more likely than I expected. I mean, Mendez is definitely getting one. Oh yeah, Sam Mendez. That's the fourth one I was thinking of. Yes, yeah, so that fifth spot is, you know, Gerwig, Bombback, Taika. That's probably the three I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, it's tight. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's real tight. Um, number. Eight for you, Dave. Number eight for me, a movie we also recently spoke about, Little Women. Hmm. Coming on my list at number six. Hell yeah. Uh, Little Women, the best turn, best take on the very well-trodden ground that is Lucy May Alcott's Little Women. And I think the part of that is because we have Greta Gerwig, who's kind of genius- establishing of this movie by using a non-linear narrative by adding extra scenes like joe speaks to tracy letts and just kind of filling out the story and still hitting all those major plot points people know from the past adaptations but really layering it in and, and, and developing these characters that are generally quite familiar to most people um and when you have people like saoirse ronan like timothy chalamet like florence Pugh carrying such scenes with such aplomb because they're so freaking good as actors uh, really elevates material. And then you have a stellar cast filling it in behind them. So (laughs) it's a, and it looks amazing with the production design, the costumes and all that. It's, it's fucking lovely. Yeah, absolutely lovely. Um, I think Gerwig's use of, of tone, um, color tone uh, within the movie to, uh, give not only feeling but to make it easy for the audience to follow the nonlinear story um, and to know when you're either the past or present and then also to just get amazing performances out of these young actors i mean that chalamet and, and ronan are just uh, amazing together mm-hmm. as always um, like you said this feels like pew really uh stepping out of of the this like up and coming role and just being like a bona fide star at yeah. this point between that um, and midsummer this year and fighting with my family as well then we have black widow th- this yeah. coming year uh yeah she she's a gonna be a household a name if not already yeah and I, I just thought this movie was an absolute delight just left me with a mix of feelings uh, i loved it i hated parts of it um but in, in a good way you know like i, I wish chalamet and, and and Ronan ended up together, but overall, yeah. just a fantastic, um, fantastic movie. Uh, Gerwig, one of the best working directors out there right now. So crazy if she doesn't get the nomination for this. But like we said, that fifth spot is just yeah. She, she would be my choice. I would, I would, I would edge her in over Bomb Back, which is you know we know that's going to get the writing. Um, yep. So that'd be if it was up to me. Um, Dave, my number eight is uh, Long Shot, a comedy. Oh. Oh, wow. Making my top 10, which um, I've been thinking about 
this movie a lot more than I expected to after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it's it's directed by Jonathan Levine, and um, I, I saw it I, I, on a date, and it wasn't necessarily like the best movie theater going experience. I was kind of like, yeah, you know, probably probably this one's probably not going to be that high for me. But the more I think about it, and a lot of what went into my list this year was like, there's a lot of quality at the top. So I want to go with what did I really find myself being moved by enjoying long shot was maybe my favorite movie going experience here just because it felt like the whole theater was like rip roaring throughout it and i haven't had hmm. a comedy do that for me in years and it just feels like such a throwback while also like keeping this like modern perspective um it's charlie's just being <laughs> absolutely magnetic for yeah. 100 minutes and <laughs> seth rogan her somehow having great chemistry too um and just, I thought it was really a smart comedy as well. Um, lot, a lot to like about it. Where did this Good fall movie. on your list? I was in, I was interested. Uh, I think I just looked at it. I think we 33, I think. Yeah, I really like it. Um, yeah. It might be the highest, highest rated just normal studio comedy. Yeah, it mm. is on my list. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. yeah, the, it, it, it taps in the, the, the star of Charlize. Mm-hmm. I think a really smart way, you know, still servicing the movie. And O'Shea Jackson Jr. is really funny oh, and like yeah. the supporting role as well. Yep, absolutely. All right, Dave, you're number seven. Number seven for me, Hawk. <laughs> you like me cooking. Uh, the Lighthouse from A24, Robert Eggers, follow-up to The Witch. This came out in the fall. Total two-hander from Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. The... You Like Me Lobster speech is on YouTube. It's a bit of a meme. It's hilarious and amazing in the context of the movie. And this movie, like I said, just a total two-hander where it's a really claustrophobic, in-your-face movie with a square aspect ratio, black and white, and one setting on this barren crag of a lighthouse island. And hilarity and, 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 and <laughs> madness ensues. I'm not going to spoil what happens, but it's... Uh, Man, I, I was lucky enough to catch the director Q&A after this, but like, so everyone there was really invested in the movie and truly one of the the most, like, I feel like enraptured crowds I've ever been a part of. Everyone was just like completely focused on this, laughing when they were supposed to laugh and like mouth agape when other things happened. And it's really stuck with me just because it's really unlike anything else I saw, both for the obvious visual reasons, but also kind of the audacity of, what kind of story it's trying to tell and Pattinson and Defoe are just so committed. And like, I think just really go like, I think they went really full method for this because they kind of lose themselves in these characters as their characters begin to lose their minds. And it, it, it it's amazing. Yeah. Hark the lighthouse. Is so good. This is some of the most a 24 shit that's ever been put out there. And that's hundred percent. Correct. I cannot wait to watch it. So definitely a movie I, I, I want to get onto my list. Um, and I'm sure it will be close to the top once I do see it. Um, my number seven is Lorena Scafaria's Hustlers. Nice. Um, where'd this fall for you? Uh, Hustlers is 22 for me. 22. Banger. Yeah. Great movie. Um, maybe one of my, definitely one of my favorite scenes of the year. Uh, top, top three at least. Uh, the Usher scene where mm. just like insane. Usher baby. Yeah, so good. Um, <laughs> and really a movie that, you know, anchored by Constance Wu, Jennifer Lopez tells us the story of this, like in this almost like big shorty type way, you know, big, mm-hmm. big short, not, not big yeah, shorty. based on a true story. Yeah. And uh, I believe Adam McKay, isn't he like an executive producer on this? Oh, is he? Makes sense why. Um, anyways, he, uh, uh this movie is just fantastic. It's a movie about female relationships, um, and you know this uh, this slow turn into crime to get ahead and get out of struggle. Um, and it's it really like flips on its head. Um, I think what we expect from these movies because and we saw this a couple other times here because you know there's a movie like like The Kitchen which I didn't see but I know the general gist of where it's like women taking on these these roles like crime mm-hmm. bosses or the people doing the crimes which is a bit of a, a change which is welcome to see but really what makes this movie is jennifer lopez just being 
a goddamn star throughout the whole thing. Um, whether it's her first scene where she comes out and she's doing the, the pole dance and just like absolutely like breathtaking. Um, or just her presence throughout the movie as this like kind of like archangel of the whole thing. Every scene she's in, she steals. Um, really, really fun movie. So Hustlers, my number seven. What's next for you, Dave? We got six. Number six for me is The Farewell from Lulu Wang. Number four. Is this on your list? Number four. Hell yeah. Uh, Man, Aquafina, good actor. She can do do, uh, serious stuff. She fucking kills it in this. That's what, Nebu Nora? And then we have uh, Zhao Zhuzhen, who plays Nai Nai, her grandmother. Mm -hmm. Total revelation. Um, again, you'll know she got nominated. I know she was in the mix. I'm gonna guess she doesn't, but she was close and real, really great. Those two performances. And then you have this, you know, this movie. I think that you know, coming from Lulu just gives you a really unique perspective on what it's like to be an Asian American. What what it's like to be Asian. There's a lot of conversations about being Chinese from the mainland and being Chinese in the U S and along the way, this movie really knows how to juggle both the serious, more sad stuff and has great levity as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there's a bunch of, I think just really important like scenes and bits in the movie, like the whole bit about the, uh, the, uh, girlfriend who speaks Japanese and doesn't really get Mandarin and they're just like making fun of her and she has no idea the fuck's going on the whole time. Like that, yeah. that shit's hilarious. And then meanwhile, you have like the cemetery scene. The, the, the fake like, wedding, man. They may, they do and of course the wedding. whole construct of the movie, the farce of the wedding to oh, justify everyone going back to China to see Nai Nai. Uh, mm-hmm. Really warm movie that really, it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster, but mm. it's uh, really special and it's getting under-recognized all award season. But I think it's really stand the test of time. People love this movie. Yeah. It's my number four for most reason you talked about it. It juggles, like you said, so many different themes and, and heavy themes, you know, whether it's like um, how you identify with yourself, whether it's grief, whether it's family dynamics and relationships, cultural uh, customs and, and how those change to, depending on like your identity as an Asian American or an Asian from the mainland, like you said. So there's, it does it all beautifully. Um, Aquafina delivers uh, amazing performance in this, hopefully a Oscar nominated performance. Mm-hmm. And I think back to my, like sitting in the theater at the end of this and being like so heavy. Cause you know, it kind of ends with her like driving away in the, in the cab with her, right. with her family and everybody's crying. And then it cuts to, Nai Nai, you know, Billy's crying and then it cuts to Nai Nai being alive still and doing all her ridiculous like exercises and, and acrobatics like still. And it's just like such an uplifting moment. Right. I was like, yes, <laughs> I almost wanted to like jump out of my seat with this. So, um, awesome movie. Farewell. Deservative top 10. So Dave, at this point, we haven't touched on my three, four, five, and six. So I'm going to let oh. you take the floor for a bit. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, my number five, a movie I don't believe you've seen still, is High Life. No, you, haven't you haven't seen, seen this yet, right? No. Nope. Yeah, High Life came out, I believe, back in April after debuting back at the end of 2018 at Toronto. The first English language film from Claire Denis, the renowned French filmmaker, of course, bought up by A24. Another movie with Robert Pattinson. Uh, it's sci-fi, but thoughtful and meditative and cerebral and like the whole concept i think the the high concept nature of it where these we're in a world where prisoners felons get sent into the far reaches of space to like test shit and get tested upon is really really interesting concept Mm -hmm. then we have pattinson who again carries a lot of scenes by himself uh again just really really meditative movie almost like first reformed but again in space and Juliet Binoche a frequent collaborator of Claire Denis has a very memorable scene involving some uh, self pleasure I'll say and uh, there's also some stark unexpected bits of violence in the movie and 
again because we're we're on like a, like a space station, so like the the flaming framing, the blocking of all the shots is very uh, precise. And man, I uh, I mean, this was my number one movie when I saw it back in April. It has since moved down, but I I wanted to resist the urge to take it off for something more recent. Kept it on because you know it's a again it's kind of underseen movie. I believe it's on Prime now, but um, yeah. The, the the best sci-fi of the year, I think, pretty pretty handily. That's a that's a big claim, especially when you had uh, Avengers this year. Oh yeah, big sci-fi. You know, <laughs> I am inevitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, solid yeah. pick, and your, your Pattinson standing is is evident right now. It's showing, Dave. The King did not make it, unfortunately, but his scene in the King about the balls, the the, the big balls that big that's balls. up there. Um, <laughs> all right, what do you got? Uh, number five. Uh, that was five. Highlight. Oh, we well, got number four then. Number four for me, Solidarity, The Irishman. Solidarity. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, just hanging out with Guy Fieri now. Gr- grew his hair out. Looking great. Jay Glazer, Sylvester Stallone, Guy Fieri, Al and Al Pacino. <sighs> what, what a squad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just... <laughs> Uh, riff raff right there, <laughs> amazing though. Uh, tell me, this did not make my list. This is number eleven. Ooh. Yeah, uh, man, uh, it's kind of it's Scorsese completing his gangster trilogy, thematic trilogy. Uh, I feel like the only way that made sense. It's a meditative movie on getting old and what that means, depending on how you live your life. Obviously, that's communicated through De Niro's Frank Sheeran and it's told with such uh, I think such such grace because we're working with a, a Steve Zalian script that's going to win uh, best adapted screenplay and it, it, it's 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 showing the, the the other it's the less glamorous parts of gangster stuff that we've seen the, the negatives before in Casino and in Goodfellas of course but Seeing it told this way uh, really just kind of blew me away the whole time. And, of course, we're getting the best once again from Pacino as Hoffa and Pesci as Buffalino. And, yeah, it's uh, there was so much hubbub was made about the length of the movie, and it is really, really long. And Yeah, I suppose we could trim it down a little bit, but the way the journey goes in this movie and the way we kind of shift through different parts in Frank's life... Uh, Really, really, I think really enraptured me once the movie picked up. And when and you have such memorable moments from other characters like Stephen Graham, of course. And yeah, it's, it, I, I don't know what to say. It's just, it's just kind of like Scorsese making the most late period Scorsese movie he could have made. Like it makes total yeah. sense to me. No, it, it, as a reflection of Scorsese as the person, I think it makes total sense because it takes, uh, his general interest, the thing that you could probably say he's made his best movies about. And it kind of ties it all into one while also kind of completing the arc, which you don't often see in the Scorsese movies. I mean, you kind of see them come to some conclusion that's not very good for the main characters at the end, but then seeing like the real loneliness, the real emptiness of Frank's life uh, at the end of this really, I think that's what gives this movie a, a, different perspective than other Scorsese movies have, has done because it really is like uh, a reflection of where I think Martin looks at his life right now. So it's, um, it's pretty, uh, it, it's a great film and you know, uh, the, the, is it too long conversation? Uh, I think it's definitive. It's not at this point. So three and a half hours, it's on Netflix, take a pee break, come back and yeah, watch the rest. Get over it. <laughs> um, moving on. You're number three, David. Number three is Marriage Story, Netflix once again. Ah, it was a uh, top fifteen for me. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah. So I saw this in a festival, a small festival setting, which was a really cool experience. But also, I think is like like the lighthouse as well. It's it's cool to be in a in an audience in a room where everyone's really invested and engaged with the film. And for this, you know, seeing the all the laugh lines really hit with everyone in the room and all the the sad stuff really, you know, make people shut up and not, not, not remark or just kind of sniffle to themselves. You know, it's uh, the way Bob Back's script kind of 
uh, juggles the tone throughout this movie uh, re- really kind of blew me away. But I mean, ultimately, it's, it's about the performances. I think it's the best Scarlett Johansson performance she's ever given. And even if she doesn't get as much work, as much scenes as as Driver, it's really ultimately about Driver's character. Uh, the two of them, man, uh, really, really, really stick with me. And I mean, Driver, we've we've spoken the praises all year, and he's really truly had a banner year as an actor. And I don't believe he's going to win Best Actor. I think Joaquin's kind of got it, but he he's number two, and this is the best I think he's done to date. And it's cool because again, it's a lot of subtle stuff. And then he, again, he can show, he can he's showy at the end. They had the fight scene and he goes a bit of Kylo rage real quick. He reminds you that like he is the full package as an actor, but because it's a bomb back movie, it's more about like, you know, the, the middle ground the whole time. And, uh, Everything else, the lawyer characters, that was really memorable. Laura Dern, who's going to win. Uh, and then Ray Liotta, Alan Alda as well. Even uh, Merritt Weaver is really funny. as a sister. But yep. so good. yeah, uh, blew me away just because of the way he manages to make you laugh and cry throughout. Mm-hmm. And make you care about the characters along the way. Yeah. You, you know, I think when it comes to Marriage Story, you talked about Driver's performances, the standout in that. I, I, I wonder for myself, because I, I do have this in my top 15. It comes at number 12. If I had seen this in theaters, I wonder if I would have had this a bit higher. Because I do feel like almost like the the Netflix release of it all might have affected that for me. Or at least that's how I viewed it. Um, but awesome film. And, you know, we talked a lot about how these movies establish the directors. But I think this feels like Bombax's first real uh, zeitgeisty capturing movie. Um, sure. So good for him. Now I think we both have the same top two. I'm just guessing. Uh, Thanks. Think so. What we whittled down. What's the order for you? Is it Once Upon a Time and then Parasite, or Parasite then Once Upon a Time? The first one. Yeah. So I have Parasite two and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood number one. Let's start with Parasite then. Dave. Fuck yeah. Bong. Our guy. <laughs> Woo. Um. Man, it's it's hard to go into a movie like Parasite and hear. And you you saw it pretty early when it came out, mm-hmm. October. I saw it quite a quite quite a bit after it came out, and it's hard to go into a movie like that and still be blown away when you've heard nothing but good things about it. Right. And I was still blown away by the vision of this movie, the execution mm-hmm. of this movie, the stylization of this movie, the thematic. Um, undertones in almost every single everything that's placed in this movie it feels like has intention and meaning behind it it's just a it's a masterpiece in uh, of, of filmmaking and bong i mean whew, he's he's destined to to be a master of this this craft for years to come yeah uh, what, what do you got to say about it yeah like you said total masterpiece like I said before made my uh decade uh top 10 and yeah, again, the whole, tw- I'm not gonna, no spoilers, but like the, the twist, hmm. uh, which plays into the title of the movie and your understanding of the plotting. Truly, again, just amazing execution and just fucking broke my brain when I first saw it. And like the way that, not, not just from a, like a plot, like surprise break my brain, but like the way like the structure of the movie changes, your understanding of that structure changes to you as you watch the movie. And just compounds and, and builds on itself throughout. It's freaking mind blowing, man. But it's, it's such a it's a great meditation on class relations and uh, what it means to be a worker and family. All that shit's here too. Like the, the themes are so so precise, just like the filmmaking and the way that Bong doesn't shoot any coverage is precise. So it, it's 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 hard to. <laughs> It, it, it's hard. I feel like it's I, I don't I haven't heard anyone say anything bad about it like which is wild because it's been several months at this point um the best movie Neon's ever distributed easily um yeah in fact that it, it's getting it, I mean we haven't we don't know for sure but it's getting the best picture nomination Bong's getting a best director um and I, there was even some late buzz for uh uh Song Kang Ho to get a, a best supporting actor he's freaking hilarious you know he's a freaking collaborator of Bong but uh he he really crushes it too but yeah, it, it just, it's just one of those movies where 
you watch it and like the whole the whole enterprise of it all can't do anything but just kind of like suck you in and like mm-hmm. you just have to have to be with it and that's why it's my number one it's unlike anything else i saw uh, not shoot more than it needs to it's all just i'm mm-hmm. shooting this this is what i need so to execute it on this level it feels really like the to be this precise is almost impossible, but he is. And that, it just makes me so excited to see more Bong Joon-ho films. Like if this is what he's making now, I wonder what he's going to be making in 10 years with more money behind him and more acclaim. And yeah, it's just, uh, it's exciting, exciting stuff. Um, so that means once upon a time in Hollywood was both of our number ones. Dave, I'll let no, no. you. No, no. Oh. Parasite was one. Once oh, is two for me. For Sorry. I reversed. So I'll let you go off on once upon a time in Hollywood then. Uh, also masterpiece also made my decade list and we talked a lot about Tarantino this year we're leading up to this as most people did and you know seeing Tarantino's ninth film you go in with a lot of baggage and expectations for what that means it's really a, a singular filmmaker singular voice in film for both the good and the bad that is what Tarantino experience is and Getting something that is a love letter to Hollywood is probably not that surprising, given what we know about QT is truly being an A1 fucking film dork. Mm-hmm. And seeing that realize with such amazing execution is, 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 is awesome. And that's, that's enough to make a really great movie. But then you also add uh, the, the real point to the movie when you watch the whole thing and you understand that point, which is about Sharon Tate and how she deserved to be more than just someone famous for getting murdered by the Manson family mm-hmm. and how she also was talented and would have had a good career. And QT knows that he wishes more people knew that. So he made a whole movie telling you about them's alternate history in Hollywood. Uh, that, that's, that's fucking sick. Mm-hmm. And along the way, you, you're spending time with fucking DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt takes his shirt off and has awesome <laughs> fight with Bruce Lee. And Leo might have made the funniest scene of the year is the scene in the trailer. Four was uh, eight was he sours could have stopped at four. God damn have alcoholic. Eight. Fucking alcoholic. <laughs> uh, yeah. Another incredible movie. Uh, my God. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. The, I think the Tarantino movie, like the sweetest one by far. Um, mm-hmm. And to be, you know, we talk about the themes in Paris, which I think are certainly more layered than, than this, um, which is impressive because I think there's a lot of layering and a lot of commentary on career arc. Um, you know, you talked about talking about Sharon Tate, and it's interesting to, to see her in the juxtaposition of Rick Dalton in this movie. You know, Rick Dalton ending his career, Sharon Tate just beginning hers in this yeah. movie, and then talking about, you know, kind of leaving at the end, like, oh, what could have been for Sharon Tate? When in reality, at the time that this movie is set, that's the end of Sharon Tate's career as well. So it's just a, there's a lot, I think being said there a lot that Tarantino's commenting on. I, I rewatched this on a plane, which plane movies don't usually capture me. Like I'm just kind of like, okay, whatever. And I'll like jump between a book and like kind of watching as I can. This had me enraptured the whole time. And honestly, the worst part about it was uh, the plane ended before I got to see the very end of it. And I was like, pissed <laughs> about that. I just, I've been thinking about it since. And um <laughs> a movie I'm probably going to end up watching like two or three times every year because it's, it's that much fun. And yeah. you uh, like sauerkraut. <laughs> ah, just, and it's just like these like snippets, right? It's like these like yeah. 20, 25 minute stories uh, all pieced together. Just telling this, this really wonderful fairy tale in a way. And right. It's, it's great. So yeah. Uh, yeah. similar to Scorsese too, the meta nature to it is, I think is important, not just because it's not as violent as a, movie of the spectrum tarantino but it, it's about going getting old and we look at tarantino someone who's very openly talked about wanting to make only a few more movies and he wants to retire and stop being a director and this definitely feels like his like late period opus and it only mm-hmm. makes sense that he made it now and also makes sense that he had Pitt and leo in this after the long careers they've had as well so yeah so much to it just like parasite a lot to it um so why don't we run through our, our list again, especially because uh, mine got eaten up there pretty quickly <laughs> with your, your depth of your list and all these awesome movies you've seen I haven't yet. 
Uh, I'm going to start with mine, then I'll let you do yours. Ten, Joker. Nine, Jojo Rabbit. Eight, Long Shot. Seven, Hustlers. Five, Little Women. Or six, Little Women. Five, Uncut Gems. Four, The Farewell. Three, Knives Out. Two, Parasite. And one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. David, your list. Yeah, ten, Knives Out. Nine, Uncut Gems. Eight, Little Women. Seven, The Lighthouse. Six, The Farewell. Five, High Life. Four, The Irishman. Three, Marriage Story. Two, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and one parasite any movies you want to give an audible mention to uh yeah definitely and also i think interesting note a24 i had four movies netflix i had two sony i had two mm. if you told me going in that i had two sony movies on my list i would not have expected that but of course that's once upon a time little women uh pretty cool yeah um let's see things we haven't talked about yet ad astra was my 11 last black man san francisco was my 12 waves was my 13 Mm. Uh, 1917 was not mentioned today but I have seen it that was coming in at 16 also really liked Ford vs. Ferrari The Souvenir Booksmart Us yep. you mentioned Joker yeah man strong year I could keep going what about you yeah I want to give a shout out to uh, Us you know one of one of my favorite movie theater going experiences again just th- this year really reminded me how much movies can really draw an audience in you whether it's the the raucousness of a, something like Avengers Endgame and how that felt like almost like a, a football game or a baseball game to um, something like us where it felt like as a as a whole the theater was like on the edge of its seat like what's gonna happen next um, John Wick three I really enjoyed thought that was a great action film um, just kind of looking down here a little bit further uh, Gloria Bell I really enjoyed yeah um, a movie that is kind of fallen by the wayside came out earlier in the year but mm-hmm good performance there um yeah you you mo- listed most of the honorable mentions i had um question for you how how high was like high flying bird or the laundromat for you you know we got two soderberg movies this year uh laundromat wasn't super high high flying bird i have uh where is this uh the mid 30s yeah yeah i really liked that a lot uh really really cool movie to talk about especially at the beginning of the year when we didn't have a whole lot of other things going on um yeah. Yeah, like you said, we'll be, I'll, be, I'll be posting my full list of everything I've seen on Letterboxd probably next week. I'll tweet that out as well, um, the blog link too. So I'm still trying to see a few more things. And the, the number one movie I haven't seen, I haven't seen Clemency. I think that's, that's still rolling out, uh, strangely. But Portrait of a Lady on Fire, the French uh, selection for Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars. Um, that's kind of interesting because it got like that like early awards eligibility run, but it's not actually having any kind of uh, semi-wide release in the country until February, so like after the Oscars. So we'll talk about that once that's actually available, but it does kind of factor into this year considering it's going up at these Oscars and will be nominated um, just to lose to Parasite, of course. But yeah, um, did you have anything that you really wanted to see that you hadn't seen? That That's really my only big one, again, I've been seeing everything basically. Yeah, for me it's 1917, which I'll hopefully get to this weekend. Yeah, um, we'll post wanna... a review next week or so- soon for that. And I, I do want to get to a couple of the um, documentaries, uh, like One Child Nation, things like that. Haven't really Factory. Had, yeah, haven't been keeping up with those much um, as been prioritizing some other things. But yeah, awesome year for movies, man. I mean, they were, out of all the lists I've been, I've been doing every year as I, uh, as I can on. Um, letterbox uh 2019 was by far the hardest year to rank and and you know even as we were talking i was like ah maybe i should move marriage story up you know it's like one of those things right i think i'll be debating it um for a while so did you have anything that was like super disappointing to you maybe whether it was big or small like something that you actually were anticipating and that just didn't deliver on the way like the way chance the rappers the big day really let us down and the music front (laughs) do you have anything for movies like that hmm um you know i think the concept of yesterday is so yeah. good and the execution of it was so poor missed potential uh, for sure that was my probably my biggest miss what about you i mean i think star wars is kind of an obvious one Don't yeah well on that again watch our review it's quite long mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um you know something something simple i, I didn't know much about but i, I kind of wanted more out of earthquake bird just because it was mm-hmm. a vikander lead role um I still like the King, but I wish the King was like great and it wasn't great. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. yeah, Yesterday's a really good call. That's a really good call. 
Yeah. You know, the, the report also was a movie that probably two months sure. prior to coming out, I was like, Oh, this can be top 10 for me. And it, it was good, but right. Middling. So, although Annette Benning might get that, that Oscar nom. So we'll yeah, see. Maybe we'll see. Um, so Dave, what, what, what should the people be preparing for next week? Uh, yeah. So we have, we have, we have things. I, I was just kind of getting my doc going and there's a lot of music coming up. We have, stuff that's already out for you the time you're hearing this like selena gomez and poppy um this this following friday we have halsey's third album we have mac miller's posthumous record 070 shake is dropping a project that we have to talk about because we like the song ghost town (laughs) um the outsider and the new pope have started on hbo we'll be talking about i think both of those at some point soon we really liked the young pope um 1917 we'll get to soon. Uh, Avenue 5 is about to start on HBO as well. Uh, Bad Boys for Life is coming up. So yeah, thing, things are, things are uh, again going, man. Exciting. Yeah, with, with the short and the Oscar season, I'm like really worried about that February till like May uh, dip in, in, in content. Yeah. It's going to be... What, you're not stoked for Underwater or uh, Doolittle? <laughs> You know, I, I do have some hope with uh, Hulu FX that yeah. maybe maybe that That's will continue sick. to crank out some content. Fargo, yeah, we, man. The TV calendar is filled out already. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think by, by, by mid-February, we're, we're off, off to the races. Yeah, a lot of TV to keep up with. So that will keep us through that lull, hopefully. So uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're listening through any of the platforms, uh, give us a rating and review on iTunes or or follow us at NowStylePod on Twitter and uh, let us know what you think. Do you agree with our list? What would you have up there? I'd like to hear from you. So uh, follow along. See you next Peace. week. Peace. Peace.